And that's where your fear of failure, you're carrying around this fear of failure. Does that drive the anxiety? Yes, it has, it has not, not a lot, but it, it also is just another trigger, just another. So at a time where you're more afraid of failure, let's say you're trying something newer or bigger or more risky then yeah, then it's going to contribute to anxiousness, to anxiety. Hello, and thank you for joining our podcast, Hope to Recharge, a show that is designed to bring hope, inspiration, motivation, and some practical tips to those that are battling depression and anxiety, and to those that are supporting loved ones that are going through the journey in this difficult time of depression and anxiety. I'm here to tell you, you are not alone, and we will live beyond depression and anxiety. We will share our stories one story at a time in a world of mental health together is better. I'm your host, Matana. Thank you for tuning in. I want to give the background to what we are going to do now. Before we started the session, before we started the recording, I gave Brian permission to tap into my energy. One of the things that Brian is very big into, into asking for permission before he reads people's energy. And he also believes that when you don't get permission, you may get the false information or it's privacy. You don't, you don't tap into somebody before you ask them permission. So I always give him permission because he knows who I am. We work together a lot. So I told him before we started that it is okay to tap into me. And if, some, if something comes up along our conversation, please let me know and we can do some kind of a mock session that the audience can see or hear, I shouldn't say see, or understand a little bit of what Brian does when somebody comes to him. So Brian, what are you picking up on? Okay, so um, first, I'm, there's anger. I'm feeling like there's anger. There's some anger you're holding on to. I don't know if you want to address that first or... Anger was always something that I always struggled with, that I hold on to. One of the things that Brian taught me was forgiveness, the idea of forgiveness and what does it mean to forgive. In the past, I thought forgiveness was giving the okay that whatever was done to me was okay and it gives it, I'm basically telling the person that hurt me, it's okay that you hurt me versus Brian said, don't give them permission to hurt you more by you holding on to that anger. And he, would give me tools to how to let go and to see why, what is it teaching me? What is, what is that emotion bringing up in me when I feel that anger? And it does create a tremendous amount of negative energy. So I'm, I guess I'm far from perfect from letting go of anger, but I work on it all the time. But when Brian says I'm picking up on anger, I have to tap into where it's coming from in order to release it, I need to understand where it's coming from. All right. So just to be clear for the people that are listening to understand um, how these, uh, this energy, this feeling of emotion of somebody works. So number one, there are many different words for very similar emotions, like there's sadness and depression and there's anger and there's, um, you know, there's livid or there's... Uh, Resentment. Well, resentment is not anger, but there's like uh, anger and fury and there, there are different levels of, but it's very specific, number one. Number two is me feeling the imbalance of the emotion 
let's take anger, for example. It doesn't mean you're an angry person. It doesn't even mean you're angry right now. It means there is anger inside you. And I'd have to think into it further to see if that anger is at yourself, at something, uh, at an ongoing thing, at someone, at a group of people. In other words, the emotion by itself doesn't, doesn't necessarily answer the question. But when I bring it up to the person, very often they can immediately know where it's coming from. And sometimes it takes some uh, digging in, you know, and getting more of a narrowing it down so they can see if it's in their past, uh, what it does relate to. Um, I'm also feeling uh, betrayed that you have, uh, that you're feeling betrayed. Mm -hmm. Are they connected? Yes, there is a connection. I want to just um, tell the audience how if you can give a one minute explanation how are you tapping into it they're they're probably thinking what is he doing um that's something i don't know how to explain it's uh it's a medical intuition it's an it's it's getting a for lack of a better word it's a vibe of someone's energy um when they're wearing something on their sleeve when there's something that they want and when their body wants to heal from and wants to deal with even if their conscious mind is not thinking of it but their subconscious uh, wants to get rid of it, doesn't want to deal with it anymore. Those are the types of things uh, health-wise and emotion-wise that I'm going to feel of someone. Are you scanning through different words and emotions and then you feel some kind of a higher sensation when it's the one? That's, that's, a, that's a good way to explain it. In other words, you know, some of it becomes experience. Unless something is really, really strong, really, really you know, uh, there's really a strong imbalance, then I don't even have to think just by looking at the person or walking by the person. Sometimes I'll feel something that is super, super strong off them. Uh, but, um, and things do feel at a certain level, meaning, uh, for example, I'm also feeling off of you, um, anxiety, for example, I'm feeling slight anxiety, slight mm -hmm. anxiety, which could relate to today's, uh, you know, the next several days and your schedule and your working and whatever still needs to be controlled, still needs to be dealt with, but it doesn't have to be a major trauma for it to start upsetting your uh, balance, meaning there are emotions out there, but are you controlling the emotion or is the emotion controlling you? Right. As opposed to something that feels a lot stronger, that it really, really is affecting you. Um, and ironically, a good example here is I'm feeling with you specifically a... Uh, a repressing of emotions. In other words, typically, um, people think that by thinking to themselves, well, I'm angry at this person, or I'm dealing with something, but I can't afford to let it bother me. I'm not going to think about it. And I'm going to go on with my day with my week with my life. I can't I can't afford this, uh, you know, I can't afford to be emotional. And they think that's the way to deal with emotions, just to overcome thinking about it, to overcome uh, being in the forefront of your mind. And that's a huge mistake because when you bury it, uh, it's always going to wind up exploding on you later on. Uh, whether you've done it on purpose or not on purpose, it's going to wind up hurting you later on. Mm -hmm. uh, so you specifically are not dealing with certain things now and you're trying to just push it out of the way so as not to deal with it right now because let's say you're too busy with 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 family with work with whatever with life and that is unhealthy in itself uh, to do that with any emotion okay um judged i think that you're feeling judged hmm. Yes, you're feeling judged. And um, I think it's more in general than by a specific person. So it could be by a, a sect of people or a certain situation. 
Mm-hmm. I also feel a lack of mental clarity, a focusing issue that you're having trouble focus, which could be because there's stuff on your mind, but I feel that you're not focused. You, you're not able to focus the way you want to and the way you, let's say you have at other times or you usually can. Mm-hmm. You relate yeah. to that? Very accurate. <laughs> Very accurate. Yes. So what do we do with the emotions? I just want to give them a background. When I first called Brian years ago, I would usually tell him I'm, I'm, in, I'm stressed, I'm depressed, I can't breathe, I can't sleep, I'm shaking. And then he would break down the emotions and do the tapping into the energy where it's coming from. So the anxiety is coming from a certain hurt. The anxiety is coming from fear. The anxiety is coming from lack of clarity we would go down the rabbit hole to find exactly as much as we can where it's coming from and to address that specific situation or that pain, the hurt, uh, the fear, whatever it is. And we would go one by one. And the process is not easy and it, ta- and it could be very draining because sometimes you have to, as Brian said, look at the emotion and feel it when life can be overwhelming and you don't want to bring up that emotion and you don't want to bring up that feeling because you're too busy to feel. And what if we feel and we fall apart? Or what if we disconnect from the person that we want to feel to and we can't afford to disconnect? So what do we do now, Brian? So we have anger, we have betrayal. Oh my God, these are heavy duties. We have... (laughs) Well, the idea, as you know, is to... uh... For me to help support the person, helping them find what it is and and giving them the tools for them to be able to let it go. And at the same time, the support is also that using most of the time homeopathics to be able to balance their body to their emotions. So the work that they're doing has a much higher success rate and they are able to deal with the emotion in, in the correct, healthy way. So they're getting rid of it and it doesn't hurt them or bother them anymore, as opposed to just not thinking about it and thinking that I'm good. Okay. So let's address the anger. What, what are you, what would you say if I don't know, I'm not relating to it right now. I don't feel angry now. I don't I can't tap into where it's coming from. Can you direct me to a time, place, person, something? Uh it feels like it's um something that happened maybe between 5 and 6 years ago. It's a specific person. Hmm. That's a long time ago. Yeah, it's a long time to be hanging on to anger. I just like to note to people that the body heals in layers. So, um I could feel something off somebody or feel a list of emotions. And then on the, you know, the next session, the next visit, the next conversation, I feel some of the same different could be because they didn't fully get rid of stuff, which we would work through, or there's a new, they have healed or they have worked on stuff. And now the next layer of stuff that the person has to deal with. So healing is a process. So just because we, we deal with uh, anger or anxiety on one level, there could be other levels or other situations in a person's lifetime that have caused the same or a similar emotion, which has to be dealt with, but the body doesn't necessarily want to deal with them all at the same time. Um, so in this case, uh, for this anger that I'm feeling, it's, um, yeah, five or six years ago, and it's um, person, perhaps female, maybe a friend or acquaintance. I'm not feeling like it's a family member. So it's something you'd have to think about and over time narrow down. Maybe it'll come to you in two minutes. Maybe it'll come to you two days from now. You're suddenly 
you know, doing something else and it hits you, you know, what you were involved in, who are you involved with, who are your, who are your closer friends then, who are the people you were dealing with. And, and usually eventually a person gets it. If not, all is not lost. There is a way to heal from the emotion without actually, sometimes we just can't remember consciously. We can't bring it up, but there's still a way to heal from it. So right now I'm not tapping into where it is. I don't even feel it. Usually I know exactly what you're talking about. Right now I'm not feeling it. Maybe because I'm not in the moment. I'm not focused, hyper-focused. Usually when I come to you, I'm hyper-focused to heal and to zone in. And maybe as uh, as we're recording the podcast, I wasn't in the analytic mind of um, finding out stuff. So maybe that's why it's not coming up with me. But how do I peel the layer that I can disconnect from this feeling that's coming up. Well, you work on each visit is, as you know, more than one emotion. So there are some things you have to work on. As far as the anger itself, a person should never force themselves to. In other words, you, you, give, it, you give it some time to think about that time frame. And maybe in general, think about what your frame of mind was then. Were you happy? Did you get angry? Were there things that made you angry? People that made you angry in general. And I, like I said, sometimes in that process between visits, you come up with, you know, the person comes up with uh, some, at least some possibilities and then can ask me, was it this person? Was it, was it this situation? And we can narrow it down. Um, but again, even if not, and we just have a time frame, um, I will narrow it down enough to still give the person the tools to, to be able to hopefully deal with it, get rid of it so they're no longer carrying it. So how do I do it right now? Right now, like I said, right now we want to give it some time. There's no, healing is not a rush job. So you don't have to worry about, I need to find what that anger is now. Sit with it. Right. Well, yeah. Think about it and not um, focus on it completely. But like I said, five, six years ago, you know, there's some people who have terrific memories. And if you throw a time frame at them, they'll remember exactly what they were, who they were with, what they did. Other people, those of us that are not that way, it requires some, you know, where was I? Where, what was I even doing? How old are my kids? Like, who was I hanging out with even? They have to put the pieces back together and see um, what it could have been. Uh, other times, it's just easier. It really depends. Um, but you can work on the... Um, but if the betrayal is connected, which I believe it is, at least on some level, then that's the first place you should look. And that might bring you to the anger, mm-hmm. um, number one. And number two is... Like I said, there's other things to work on anyway. And how do you balance? You used to balance me and you used to say, I'm going to balance your energy now because you're out of balance with different emotions. And in five, 10 minutes, you'll feel a difference. So how does that balancing work? It's something that I try not to do too often. That is um, that is being able to balance someone's energy. It's remote. It's called remote. And to be able to balance a person's energy to these emotions, um, in a way, much like a medication would, but naturally, meaning that if when someone is depressed, everything is a black cloud. So even if you make perfect sense to them, it's very hard for them, or dare I say, impossible for them to really internalize and make any real changes. So therefore, what they really have to do is do something, even if it's going medication temporarily, to be able to get the cloud at least away enough for them to receive some type of therapy, some type of help, and hopefully get them off the medication. Problem is, is that in America, at least they don't really ever get you off the medication, you're kind of on the medication. So me using a homeopathic or doing any type of uh, remote session is where I get the person 
to be stronger than that emotion. So now they have a much uh, clearer path, a much easier time finding the cause and being able to use the tools to let it go. It's less overwhelming. And it really, it really has an instant effect. Energy healing is worldwide. A person doesn't have to be sitting in front of me. And uh, you're asking me a question, which you're one of the people who could be the, uh, who can answer the question more more specifically than I can. Um, sometimes it's literally instant, 30 seconds. Sometimes it takes several minutes. Everybody's energy and you know, everybody's different. Uh, but certainly, uh, you know, you tell me. Uh, like you said, we work together. Um, and there were, there, were, there were times where, uh, you know, I'm not at liberty to discuss that with the public, but there were times that you called or texted me about a certain situation and you tell me. And a lot of times you would say, I'll, you're out of balance now. Let me rebalance you. And I used to get very frustrated. And I would say, Brian, but we worked on it already. Why are we going back? I don't understand. We solved that already. And you would say, well, you went out of balance. And it's a constant work to rebalance. But the good part was that you gave me tools to balance myself after a while, to come to center, to be aware. I think it was at the beginning when I was not even in tuned with myself and see the track of how my emotions would go up and down. And now I know how to stop myself from getting there and recalibrate myself in a way. Is that a good word? And and just let go of things or address things that it doesn't get to that point that I have to text you frantically saying, I'm freaking out. I'm I'm going to full-blown panic attack that thank God I don't have those anymore. But in the back in the day, it would be something out of the blue that would set me off. And that's where the confusion was. I don't understand, Brian. We're working so hard. We're, I, you said I was I was balanced yesterday. Why am I having a panic attack now? And it was a constant re retuning it, fine tuning it to get to a place that if I go into a place that has negative energy, it won't affect me or situations that would usually trigger something, I addressed it. Right. So you just used the one of the words that best uh, helps understand why it's a process. And that is, it's not just a matter of balancing someone or a person doing a work on a specific emotions, um, but they don't realize that over the course of time, and even from the trauma, from the point of whatever happened itself, there are triggers. The body associates everything that was going on at the time of a trauma with the trauma. Uh, so much so that an example once years ago was a this was not my client. This was somebody else's client, but a woman who at around, uh, I think, 35 or 40 years old, if I remember correctly, uh, suddenly became anaphylactically allergic to chicken, which is by itself a strange allergy. We have people with nut allergies and egg allergies, but chicken, just chicken. And she would go into anaphylactic shock. And uh, using similar methods to what I used, she went to someone holistic who was trying to help her and uh, figure out what was going on. And through a lot of balancing and a lot of work, um, they made some progress, uh, but they were hitting a stumbling block. And all of a sudden, after I think a couple of months of work, this woman, the, the patient, went and was talking to her mother about her work. And she was saying how the doctor, the practitioner, whatever he uh, is, whatever he was, um, said that something happened to me when I was three years old. And I, I don't remember anything about my life when I was three years old. And the mother all of a sudden says, 
oh my God, we were at a restaurant when you were three years old and you choked on a chicken bone and uh, somebody from another, from, an, from, from one of the patrons from another table had to come over and stick his finger down your throat and dislodge it. You actually lost consciousness. <gasps> you weren't breathing for, you know, for about 30 seconds, whatever it was. Everything was okay. They tested you and follow up to the doctor. Everything is great. So, but it makes perfect sense because what happened is, is the body associated that chicken bone associated the energy of chicken with the body almost dying with the choking. It blamed, it blamed the chicken the body is very smart and it knows exactly what it's in contact with. So every time it sees chicken, it, it goes into, uh, you know, the immune system and the central nervous system go haywire because it thinks again, that there's the, there's that chicken again, trying to kill it. So it almost kills itself. Once they, once, and when the girl heard this, when the woman heard this, she was like, oh my God, I don't even remember that story, mom, even as you're telling it to me, but she was able to go back to the practitioner, tell him the story. And they were able to work now because now as an adult, she can understand what happened. And they were able to use whatever methodology he used for her to be able to get past that trauma. And only then was she able to eat chicken again without uh, having any reaction. Mm -hmm. So uh, the body has cell memory and uh, we are sponges. We have video and audio and um, smell and touch. Sometimes people smell something and it causes a reaction uh, because it brings them back to something in their childhood. Sometimes it's for the good and sometimes it's a it's some type of, uh, you know, reaction that's going to cause anxiety or it's going to cause panic or whatever the case may be because we subconsciously remember everything from the moment we, uh, even before we're born. Uh, consciously, each of us are different on the level of memory, but certainly we don't remember everything, um, especially the things that affect us negatively. Uh, so, so what happens when somebody doesn't have a, uh, somebody like Brian in their life? And they and and quite frankly, I think I'm out of the energy healing for years and I didn't have any dramatic episode. So there's always balance that needs to be done. At what point do, does someone need to come to you? versus work on their own? Well, if they have, if someone has the tools to work on their own, if they're, uh, if they're in tune, as the words you used, if they're attuned with their own emotions and what they're feeling and how they're feeling, then certainly no problem. If you could do it by yourself, that's great. Um, the idea is that I don't want people, unlike conventional therapy, I don't want people to come to me for the next, you know, two, three, five, ten 10 years, 20 years, especially I know people that are in therapy for literally 20 years. Mm -hmm. The idea is, is to get past as much as we can, um, let's say in several months, uh, to balance for as much as we can. And through that process, I also give over to the person the tools they need to be able to become, so to speak, their own ther therapist and to recognize their own emotions and to know how to deal with life and things as they come up. Because let's face it, no matter how easy or hard someone's life was before they come to me, coming to me is, doesn't mean that life is going to be easy afterwards and there's going to be no bumps in the road and there's going to be no things or traumas or situations to deal with. And a person still needs the tools so they don't get back, they don't go back to a place that's not healthy. So they... Um, so they don't cause the same problems again or different symptoms. And they now have the tools to be able to deal with it. With that said, listen, people sometimes need a, uh, a one visit here, one visit there. Uh, I have plenty of people who, who have told me that they were helped and it was great and still will come to me, let's say, uh, once or twice a year or call I call me. it maintenance. It's either uh, maintenance or sometimes it's to discuss a certain thing and how to handle it because it's right. a situation, guidance, um, coaching, whatever the case may be. So the, there's nothing wrong with that. 
right. but to, to, to have someone come to me for the, you know, once or twice a week for the next 10 years is not, I don't, there's no, I have no such clients like that. The most someone comes to me is for a few months. Usually that is, that is, that is the rule. I want to clarify something that I wouldn't put you in the same category as, as therapy. I think therapy does its own thing and you do a different thing completely than therapy. Therapy can be forever. Therapy could be different situations that come up and you want to analyze it with somebody. You want to, you want to understand it. Sometimes it's just to vent to somebody or to work with somebody that understands you or, or can put a, help you come to plan of action. When we work with you, it's more to tap into emotions, not action specifically. So deal with the outcome, not with the story, which therapy many times deals with the story, not with the outcome. And you many times can skip over the story and it doesn't really matter if you're depressed now, if you're anxious now, if you're angry now, if you're resentful now, if, if you're sad now. It doesn't really matter what came before, but certain people like the therapy. I love therapy because I love understanding. I know many times I used to say to you, but I want to understand. I want to understand. I want to understand. You used to say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And I used to say, but it does matter. It doesn't matter. I want to understand why, 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 why. And that's where the big difference is between what you do and what therapy does. It, it, it's a different, it's just different. And I wouldn't compare them. But if I, I will say is that after coming to you, I was able to graduate therapy because therapy wasn't giving me enough. I wasn't getting enough out of it. I felt like I would be able to predict what the therapist will work with me on. And I basically was my own therapist because of so many years of going through it, I already knew myself and I knew what's going to come up and I, and, and you helped me fine tune, but that was just my journey. But I believe that I want to make it very clear that certain people need therapy for the rest of their lives or for a few years or change every few years, but it doesn't, but it's, it's different than what you do. I don't, uh, I don't necessarily disagree with that. Again, you know, some people may want uh, to talk to somebody and I do tell the people while their time is here, they can, t you know, I'm going to feel things. So I'm going to feel an emotion. And that, let's say that is, for example, I have felt uh, sexual abuse trauma or certain things which are very obvious that people are not going to have a problem remembering what that is. Right. And I tell the person, if you want to talk to me about it, no problem. But understand that you don't have to in order to heal. I don't have to hear the story, unlike a therapist, to be able to break it down and to tell you how that made you feel because I, I feel exactly what you're feeling. So right. I know exactly what it is. So now this is what this is the process of being able to get past it. So right. yeah, for sure, it's it's different. But there are some similarities because the bottom line is, is I would say 95%, uh, if not more, of someone not being healthy physically or emotionally still comes from emotions, Right. as we discussed earlier in the uh, cast. Um, should we uh, go on to discuss other things I felt? Or have you heard enough for one day? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I never hear enough. You know that. I'm always thirsty for more. But I want to dive into the anxiety part. Is it uh, new anxiety or is it something that's familiar to me from my past anxiety? Is it is it sitting on the same root of my general anxiety that I always battled? I think it's just from, which again is not good and you need to 
focus and own what you're doing and how you're living life. But I think anxiety is because how much you have on your plate right now. Yeah, <laughs> could say that again. But I'm, I, I am working with my EFT, tech, what do you call it, technician, uh, EFT therapist, EFT guru on that because I, I really battle the overwhelming part of trying to be everywhere at the same time. And when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else and not feeling that tremendous amount of guilt of saying no to things that I would want to say yes to. Right. Well, guilt, I'm also feeling. So, you know, it's um, that, you know, we're human, we make mistakes and we are pulled in many different directions. Um, but making decisions and owning those decisions is important. Otherwise, no matter what you decide, you're always going to have some anxiety and you're always going to feel guilt and you're always going to have an emotional imbalance when, again, we're human. We can't possibly be in everywhere at the same time. So there's always, like you just said, somewhere where there's a no. So you have to trust in, I mean, you're trusting in God that he's leading you in the right direction, but certainly trust in the abilities that he gave you, the smarts, the experience, and you make a decision and you have to own it. The biggest problem people make is being indecisive and barely making a decision. And even after they make the decision, second guessing themselves, you're going to make the decision, make the decision and own it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, this life is very tough on that, on those uh, people who are indecisive or second guess themselves constantly. So what do I do now for the rest of the day to be less, less anxious? Because I do feel very anxious today. And I have a huge to-do list for today. And I'm already visualizing my midnight unwinding and what it's going to be like, because I know what it's like a marathon to get there now. So what would you recommend? Nothing you don't already know. Just putting yourself back in center and saying, I, gonna, I am going to do the best that I can today. I'm going to you know, whether you work off a list or, you know, it's on your smartphone and your computer, knowing that what you have to get done and doing your best to complete it. And if something doesn't get completed or something, uh, which often happens, you know, some of your planned things that you're supposed to take care of today don't work out, then accepting that it wasn't meant to work out, accepting that you did your best and it's for another day or it's not for now or whatever the case may be, realizing that you have, none of us have any real control in our lives. We have the control of effort. We don't have the control of outcome. And that's a big mistake people make. And that's why there is anxiety and expectation that turns to anxiety. Right. We never have control of outcome. You know, uh, some of the probably wealthy people, uh, successful people in the world would probably tell me that I'm crazy and that, what do you mean? Your wealth, everything is in your hands. Right. So obviously, you have to work hard. And obviously, um, you know, there are some people that are more determined than other and they're different personalities. But, but in the end, truth is, is that the effort is what's in your hands. The outcome is not because we definitely see many people who don't work so hard and things fall into their lap. And we see people who kill themselves, absolutely kill themselves and it doesn't seem to work. While effort is truly important, accepting the outcome no matter what it is and then moving on. Sometimes that means trying again. I'm not saying give up. Acceptance does not mean giving up, but accepting mm -hmm. at the end of each day how that day played out is important to health. When I um, recorded the episode with my husband, with Ari, he said that I was always high anxiety since the day he knew me. But I was able to balance it better. I was like when I was in relaxed moment, I was relaxed. But when I had like a project or something that I was very focused on, my anxiety went high or travel. My anxiety goes high. What is the trigger for that from that? Like, why is it that versus somebody else that has the same to do list, they would be very calm and relaxed. What is it about me that triggers that anxiety? 
Well, everybody is different. There's some people that are naturally more calm, uh, more energy. Um, I think to some extent it's your gene pool. It is then like I you know, your upbringing and how your soul, how your neshama, how your intellect, how your observation as a child and, and then as a uh, adolescent and a teenager, how you absorb your family, you know, your parents, your siblings, your friends, how you observe the world around you and how you deal with things. There are so many intricate things that go into forming not just our um, our personality, but how we deal with the world around us and how we look at, you know, you could have two people, you know, an obvious example, you can be walking down the street with a friend and there's a dog across the street and one person completely doesn't care. And the other person says, oh my God, we have to, we have to go the other way. I can't, it's a dog. Okay. And what's, what's the problem? So two people, you know, so that second person is for whatever reason, we don't have to go into, but that person is terrified of dog, but that dog is, is still the same dog. So how could it be that one person sees it as a threat mm -hmm. and the other one sees it as nothing more than a cute dog or a dog being walked by its owner across the street, who's not even paying you any attention. Mm -hmm. So the world like that is, is like that for us, for everybody, what you, what you deem as easy may be complicated for somebody else. What you deem as stressful to somebody else's no problem. What you think is uh, hard, somebody else is easy. So you can't take away from someone's how they feel about something because it's their feeling. Now, whether you think it's silly or it's not, that's the way they feel. And helping them put it in perspective and how to deal with it is important. But we're a product of our we're a product of our DNA and we're a product of our upbringing. And that's why every single person is unique and different and uh, reacts differently to the world around them. Can I change it that I can be a less? If I come to you and say, okay, Brian, listen, I know that I'm product of my DNA. I know that I always had anxiety. I know that I was stressed since utero and it just got worse and worse, but I w it's affecting the people around me. It's affecting my children. It's affecting my workplace. It's affecting my husband. Can I reduce it? Can I become a person that's less stressed? So the answer is very simple. You can't go to the other extreme. That would be, I don't want to say impossible, but that would be not not, not only not realistic, but it, it wouldn't be the right thing either because every everything in life needs a balance. So if you were, if we had a scale that goes uh, zero to 10 to the left and zero to 10 to the right, and someone is, you know, to the plus side of anxiety an eight, you're not trying to get them to an eight on the negative side, like so super calm that nothing phases them and nothing bothers them. No, but as an you're, average. You're you're yeah. trying. So, you're, so to bring someone from a, who's an eight to get them down to a five, a, well, even to a two or a zero yeah. to get them into complete balance. Yes, that is doable, depending again on the person and uh, their determination and their um, ability to look into themselves and wanting to do the work. It's, it's not only very possible, it happens all the time that people come to me and they are on medication. And after we're done, there are they are off the medication, whether it's anxiety, depression, even ADD and other things. Now, sometimes they don't get off the medication, but that is essentially what we're trying to do to bring someone in balance. The idea is if someone, uh, if someone, we're, we're all emotional beings. So a person at any given time can have anxiety. A person is going to fly somewhere and uh, they're behind and they're really rushing to get to the airport. That person is going to be anxious on some level. Mm -hmm. A person is going to have some stress. A person is going to have some worry that they're going to miss their flight and all the, mm -hmm. you know, after effects from it. But it's going to be slight. 
they're they're someone let's say who keeps things in balance and they're packing and they're doing the best they can and they're problem solvers they don't worry about what's what could happen they're just going to do their best but if i scan them at that moment i'm going to feel some level of anxiety most of the time you're going to feel some stress or worry or concern or whatever the emotion is that's caused by this situation Mm-hmm. But then they get to the gate and they uh, make it there and then their body does, it heals. In other words, whatever that short-term anxiety was, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Then you have the person who almost goes into a panic attack because they're afraid they're going to miss right. their flight when it's six hours to the flight. There are different, you know, that's that's the idea that there are emotions, but it's important that we remember that we're supposed to control our emotions to some level, especially in the long term and not the emotion control us. If somebody, something sad happens, of course they're gonna be sad, of course they're gonna cry, but that doesn't mean they're supposed to be sad for the rest of their lives or to a point chronically where it affects everything. But emotions are there for positive also. But it's also to teach us to deal with them, to say something's wrong, deal with the emotion before it attacks your body. Right, right, emotion is for us, it's for the, uh, the, the person or the people that we're facing for our friends or family members, it lets it lets them know uh, what we're feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, everything in moderation, everything in balance. And someone's in balance, then then they're going to be okay. You are also having trouble with, and it's not. You Wait, know, I'm not done with anxiety. Oh, you're not done. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> I want <laughs> because it's a very it's a very big topic in my house. Very with me. With my, even though I came a very long way, you can't like I'm night and day, but we still notice it. I notice it, and I and one of the things that I'll say is like, okay, I'll find myself deep breathing. I'm like deep breathing, and and my kids will say, ah, oh, mommy's anxious. Like that's my my body's code of saying, okay, relax, relax. And my deep breathing really, really, really helps me a lot to take it down a notch or whatever. But I find that talking about it and just giving the heads up to the people around me and say, okay, fine. This was uh, before I left to London. I was very anxious um, because I was doing a weekend in London. And I usually, usually, usually never go away without my family for the weekend. Like they either we're going together or at least I can count on my hand that amount of time that I left them, my kids for the weekend. And I get very anxious about it. My my thought process goes to places to never ever land of of worst case scenarios, which is not helpful. So what I do is first of all I make I I'm, I make them aware of it. Okay, mommy's very anxious now. Mommy's nervous about leaving. Mommy's going to probably be snapping about things that she never snaps about that are not realistic. And I make it into like more of a a joke kind of thing. So it brings down the tension. But the fact that I speak about it brings my awareness. And before I react, sometimes I'll bring it down. How can I get to the step of being like anybody else that goes away and not freaking out about worst case scenarios and all of them at the same time that will bring my anxiety up and then everybody that's doing something wrong will know about it. Well, how did your level of anxiety affect your preparing, preparing for your trip, going on your trip, doing what you needed to do and coming back? How did your anxiety affect that, any of that in a negative way? So beforehand, the prep was stressful. Like the day and a half before, I was very stressful. The second I got on the plane, I forgot about it. Gone deleted. I also worked with my EFT guru to to prep me. Um, so I did some preparation in my mind and letting go of the stress. But the second I got on the plane, I was good. Until the moment I came back, I was good. It was the before. Okay. So that's a very confined 
specific time in the whole travel that you once you were on the plane and your your body knew that you're really going on this trip mm -hmm. uh reality sets in and all of a sudden there's nothing to be anxious about so i recommend that you not even waiting for another uh scenario like that or similar but play that back in your mind and say wait a second if i got on the plane and i was okay then why can't i be okay the moment i make the decision that in this particular case, I need to go away, or I need to go away for the weekend, or I need to go away for the weekend without my family. It's, it's. Uh, of course, I'd rather be with my family, and of course, I would like them to come with me. In this particular situation, it can't happen. Maybe getting into the reality zone, and like I said, owning the decision. You made a decision, and for you, and for your family for that matter, I assume that taking everything into account, that was the best decision you can make. Right. So owning that decision, even before there's that reality of now that I'm on the plane and it's done and I'm not looking at my kids and I'm not seeing my husband and because now I'm focused on my, uh, you know, whatever my trip is about, realizing that that all started before. you. Once you made that decision to do it, you should have that same calm as you did on the airplane because you made a decision, own it and realize that you're doing it for the good and everything is going to be okay. That's easier said than done because... Well, that's why it's work. <laughs> so how do I bring it down? Is this something that you could I could come to you and say, Brian, listen, I'm freaking out. I think I made the wrong decision. I shouldn't have gone... By the way, this happens every single time I travel, by the way. And I travel a lot. And every time before I travel... I say, Ari, oh my God, did I make a, the wrong decision? Should I not go? And he's like, you're going, you're going. Well, I canceled many, many trips before because my anxiety was too high, high but I, I call it my intuition that I know when I shouldn't. And I just cancel. And I said, it's not worth it for me. If I know that I can cancel, I'm not going. But I try to work on the muscle of overcoming it and not even getting to that, should I go, should I not go? the fear, the anxiety, the horrible stories I'm, I'm telling myself. How can I become that person that is okay with the plan and just go with it and have the, the average nervousness before the packing, the organizing, the going, setting everything up, but not having that extreme reaction. Should I not go? Should I not go? Should I, the doubting myself? Well, that's it. There's, there's a few things that play to that anxiety, in my opinion. There's, there's the um, second guessing yourself that becomes a lack of excuse me, a lack of confidence in your decision. So believing in yourself, and like I said, that you made the best possible decision and owning it. Second is the emotions that are side emotions, which when I say side, it doesn't make them any less important, but the rest of the emotions that encircle that decision, like you may feel guilt for leaving your family. Mm -hmm. So the guilt is causing, now the guilt starts driving the anxiety. And again, once you're on the plane and it's done to you, at that, for some reason, once you get on that plane, not once you land, not once you're in the meeting, but once you get on that plane, there's something inside you that clicks and says, okay, this is happening. <laughs> so right. I might as well move on. I mean, it's right. literally a switch you're telling me. So again, embrace and understand these emotions and how your body decides once you get on that plane that it's reality and then everything comes down is to embrace and, and accept those emotions and accept them and own the decision and realize this is happening. I made the decision and it's something that needs to get done and I have no reason to feel guilty and I have no reason to feel anxious. Everything is going to be okay. Now, again, that's work. But the more we understand what we're feeling and where it's coming from and what's driving it, the more we can get in control of it. And next time you travel, you may be 5% better. You may be 50% better if you do this work. But the more you work on it and the more you internalize it, just like everything else, the more it becomes part of your reality. You can't retrain your brain retrain your emotions in in one session in one thought in one event right you'll see improvement then right. a little bit more improvement then a little right. bit more if you work on it yeah and like i said I, 
there are different tools that I can give people to help them with that, but it's still work and people have to have patience. It's not a pill that just makes everything go away. Right. What's the last emotion? So uh, let's see. There's a few things. Which one? Um, the juiciest one. <laughs> I could see you want to do this. <laughs> Failure? Failure. That's a juicy one. Yeah. I don't know why I'm not afraid of failure, but maybe my subconscious is afraid of failure. Or maybe I tell myself stories why I think I'm not afraid of failure in order to compensate for the fear of failure. My biggest fear of failure is in relationships. That's my biggest, biggest fear. Did I show up properly? Was I honest in this relationship that I gave all of myself? Was I a failure in a, as a human being, as a, as a friend, as a spouse, as a as a daughter, as a parent, did I fail to show up? Well, I'll tell you, it's an old one. It's an old one. Wow. It feels like it's something that stems from something that you went through that you experienced maybe 19, 20 years ago. 19, 20 years ago, 23. Hmm. And that's where your fear of failure, you're carrying around this fear of failure. And that fear of failure, let's see what else I can tell you. Does that drive the anxiety? Is a general fear feel of failure? Yes, it has. It has not not a lot, but it it also is just another trigger, just another. So at a time where you're more afraid of failure, let's say you're trying something newer or bigger or more risky, then yeah, then it's going to contribute to mm-hmm. anxiousness, to anxiety. So this is this has been a very good example, I think. You know, for the people who are going to listen to this, because it's 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 another part of emotions and dealing with them that even in our introduction and as we've gone on that we didn't explain that you can deal with the emotion and uh, in all the ways we discussed. But now you got to also deal with that emotion together with all the triggers and Mm -hmm. together with all the other emotions. It's combinations also. Mm -hmm. One might be balanced, so to speak, and have anxiety under control. But if they don't take care of the failure, well, the support, I want to say it is supporting because there's something that support the negative, but the supporting emotions or the triggers or the causes, then they're still going to have those panic attacks. They're still going to feel anxious, maybe Uh a little less, but you have to get the whole, you have to get everything. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's why when I thought I would take care of it, and then the next day I would feel it, it was because I would touch that emotion that was unaddressed and it would just come up again and come up again. A hundred percent. That is why that's what I told you. That's when it was happening because we may have balanced you for anxiety together with A, B, C, D, and E, but it's the same way that after, you know, like you said, when you told your story, you were fine, you were this, you were a multitasker doing full of life. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, it wasn't out of nowhere. You were you were hanging on to a trauma that had tons of triggers and supporting emotions that have latched onto it over the years. And then finally, as they say, the straw that broke the camel's back, there was something at that point in your life that just triggered it and took you back to that trauma. And that's where the anxiety and the panic attacks start. That's where people don't realize that, yeah, you can be, for the most part, just going along, minding your own business. Everything is not even that stressful. And then all of a sudden something happens and it triggers a, a physical ailment starts, but you know, an ache, a pain, a symptom or, or a panic. And, and that it's from something. It's never from nothing. Mm-hmm. So how, how do we clear this fear of failure? Well, you have to, again, just like we did, we started to discuss with the anger, you have to try to go back um, to that time frame about 20 years ago, give or take. And Try to see if you can remember what happened that that you're that makes you, you know, afraid of failure. 
and to realize that we really don't hold that, you know, like I said before, we, you put in the effort. Being afraid of failure doesn't make any sense. You can't, without failure, you can never succeed anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, can only, you can only succeed once you've failed. And mm-hmm. being afraid of things not working out or, or, or is, is denying yourself the process of learning and growing and getting smarter and stronger. That's just a denial of process. But when we're younger, we can't process. We don't have the wisdom. We don't have the intellect. We don't have the experience, the training to understand these emotions. We just, something happens to us and there's a fear or there's, we're left with anger or failure or embarrassment or uh, sadness or uh, one of the self issues, self-esteem, self-worth, self-image. And that's important. And yeah. also stubbornness. I think you're hanging on. <laughs> I'm sticking one more because stubbornness. Uh, stubborn. I wouldn't be me if I wasn't stubborn. Right, but there's something, and I think you know, in this time frame, right now, there's something specific that you're being stubborn about. Yes, but I'm not revealing it on the podcast. Listen, I didn't ask you to. I'm just. <laughs> it's something that I'm working on. It's something that it's like a brain lock. I'm like contemplating and thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. I'm not sharing it with the world because I'm not clear on it yet. I'm really not clear. And because I have an analytic mind, it sometimes disserves me because I I break it down to too many little pieces. I'm stubborn to figure it out. And I don't know how. I don't know how. And I don't know what I'm going to be doing about it. But at the moment, because I'm not sure, I'm just keeping it with myself for now until I can um, let go a little bit and and understand it. Well, without knowing what it is, obviously, I'm just telling you that it's becoming a, it's turning into something not healthy. You're not that someone holds on to emotion for a few days or a few weeks and God forbid, you know, oh my God, they're going to start getting, but I'm just telling you that you're turning something into, uh, um, there's one thing to work on something and to try to get it done. But if you're holding on to it just because you're stubborn, then you're not making the right decision. First of all, you're just being stubborn. So uh, whatever it is that you're working on, don't do it because you just won't let go. I can't let it go. I no, can't. it's not about letting go. It's not knowing how to deal. It's the, un- the I don't have a clear way, which was some, I um, discussed this with my EFT guy again. He recommend he said that there's a lot of resentment from the not understanding and to let go of the resentment in order to gain understanding, to disconnect them. Well, then you have to work on it because the stubborn is becoming an issue. And there, like I said, there are a few other things, but um, another time. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we won't do it in public that I can unwind a little bit more feel more secure. As much as I'm open about things, there are certain things that I don't share to the public and I keep it inside me. And uh, because it has to do with others that I, I respect their privacy. If it's somebody that's near and dear to me, a good friend, parent, uh, a sister, child, a husband, colleague. So I feel like I have to, I'm not, I, I'm not at the liberty of sharing the journey that I go through, but I know that with you, I could do it and feel very safe, that there's no judgment and there's the recourse of sharing, just healing. I I just want to tell the audience that this is not for everyone always. You have to, I, I feel like sometimes you have to really want to understand and put the work in. And if you're looking for a quick fix, it's not going to work. Brian cannot heal you. You need to heal yourself. Brian can help you 
guide you through certain things when you're blocked. He can give you tips. He can um, be your GPS when your GPS is broken. But um, some people don't connect to this at all. And they like traditional therapy. They like medication. And they it just works for them. This is not for everyone. But if it's somebody that really wants to do the work and become the better the best you, this is definitely a channel and a very, very rewarding channel. Now, Brian's, Brian always says I, he's not a great fit for everyone. There's a lot of people like Brian that does what he does. And there's no one heart doctor, he said this before, there's no one heart doctor that heals every broken heart. And there's no brain surgeon that can, that can do every brain surgery. From my experience, Brian was definitely a huge part in my recovery and many other people that went to Brian. And when people keep on hearing about my healers, and he doesn't like when I call him my healer, but, but uh, the lack of other word, I would call him my healer. I, I believe that by having Brian on my side, it was a huge part of my recovery. And people would say, so I want to hear about it. I want to hear about it. There was a huge question. So people know what therapy is. People know what medicine is, but people don't really understand Brian and the world of healing and energy. So, and I still don't understand Brian and I'll probably will never understand Brian, but I do know that whatever I worked with him helped. That's what I know guaranteed. So I don't know if it was a combination, if it was a trust thing, if it was a huge gift from God that just put it at the right place at the right time. And it was just something that I needed to go through. So it's definitely, I believe that you have to find the right person to guide you. And a lot of people that went through Brian really found, I would call it miracles, but they found their way to healing. Do you have anything else to add to this very deep session, which I hope people leave and understand that it, it's not hocus pocus. It's not magic. It's not black magic. No, def definitely not. It's energy. We all have energy. I like to to say that it's like a radio frequency. Sometimes we're, we're in a good zone for, for getting the FM and AM on certain channels. And sometimes we're just, we're not getting it. We're just not tuned in and we can't hear. It's staticky. So some of us are more fine-tuned to the energy. We see it, we feel it. And that's where I think Brian's gift comes to the world. Did I say it correctly? Um, yeah, uh, you said it beautifully, very eloquently. I try the best to be the the messenger, the the person that the person needs. But no, the truth is, even you know, through the people that you have sent me over the years, I wasn't able to help everybody. Mm -hmm. and, uh, that sometimes is the case that it's it's not the right time, it's not the right place, I'm not the right person. That person is not determined enough, and it's and it's not a question of blame, blame me or blame them. It's just a question of it does you can't. There is no one one answer for everybody. Right. Uh, but timing is huge. I really believe in the right time. That that's that is for sure. That I have seen over and over again. Yeah, timing is huge. Um, I saw I, even with us. I saw certain things that I would want to work on, and it wasn't working. wasn't working. wasn't working. Then a little like a year later, it just happened. It worked for sure. And also, don't forget, just like with anybody who does anything, and the more they do it, the more they learn. I'm no different than that. This gift. This uh, intuition that Hashem gives me, that God gives me this ability, uh, which again is not me, is really, uh, you know, comes from our creator, is something that I've had to learn how to implement properly in order to be able to help people to the best of my ability. 
So people that I saw, you know, people that came to me six years ago is not the same as someone coming to me today. Besides my ability and, and it changing and evolving and, and becoming more useful, helpful, insightful, the technology I use and the homeopathics, I didn't have back then. That's something that I came out with only in the last couple of years. So that's also something that takes things to another level to help people. But even still, there's no guarantees of anything. Well, thank you very much. I hope I was helpful and I wasn't blocking. It wasn't, I would say this is just a very slight, slight sneak peek of what really goes on because in a real session, there's a lot of like uh, you, you tap closer into the energy. There's no boundaries. And also when you don't know that the world is listening, there's more boundaries that I take off to be able to be read or feel. So it was very, very slight deep dive a small one into how we break down energies and how it works. But it's session after session after session after session and improvement. And and um, we'll sometimes talk about the percentages, like where are we holding now? How many percentages? Like, is it better? In one session, you can go from, from 100% anger till to 30% anger. And then you come back again a week later and you could say, okay, went up to 50, and then go back. And then it could, it's like, it could go up and down, up and down. But it, I hope, I hope we gave the listeners a little bit inside of what goes on because so many people have asked me, what does your healer do? So what does Brian do, not the healer? Because Yeah, we don't like that. Uh, I don't heal anybody. I just help people heal themselves because they don't realize the potential they really have inside them. Because if you think about it, I did not prescribe you any type of medication. I didn't give you anything to... And even the homeopathic I use is not a medication. It simply balances. So really maximizing what's already there in order to put everything where it needs to be because the body by nature wants to heal. Right. Uh, right. So that's, I'm not a healer. Uh, ultimately, God is the healer. I am just... Facilitator. The GPS. <laughs> I like yeah, calling I, I really care, like calling it. But pretty words. I mean, cer yeah. certainly, certainly, even when it comes to medical intuition, there are those that I know, people I know that intuitively have a much clearer look into someone's body and their emotions and but some of them don't even do healing they're medically intuitive and they'll do a reading so to speak and tell people what what the problems are uh, but the the intuition the gift that I have definitely helps me to be able to help people much better much faster than trying to get to the root of the problem and much more thoroughly. And again I'm taking a cue off the person what the person wants to heal from. Whatever I'm reading off of them it means that their body is 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 saying, "Come on, I, I want to get rid of this. I don't want to carry this anymore." Right, and I think there's such a, a there's the world is speaking loud about energy because they're they're craving it, and there's more and more and more and more research about energy work and versus the regular doctor clinical work that there's there's something deeper, and the the world is just expanding on it more and more and more. So it just speaks volume of volume on how much it's needed and it works. 100%. So thank you very much, Brian, for this um, little uh, example of your work. Thank you. And, and if anybody wants to, if anybody's local, I don't know where people, people are listening from Australia. Oh, one thing I want to tell people that back in the day, I was living in Florida. Brian was living in New York and we never met and we worked on the phone for a year until I moved back to New York. Brian told me that he does not like doing that anymore because it took too much energy to tap into the other person's energy. But I think if you beg, he might say yes sometimes. <laughs>
right? You don't like working on the phone. Yeah, it's very it's very difficult to uh, it's it's not even the reading because the reading is the reading. It's the balancing that becomes uh, yeah the energy involved. So I take on very few remote. The word is remote. I take on very few remote clients these days. A uh, person has to come into the office. Or at least in the beginning. Sometimes you can see them for like five sessions, but then you can balance them for one or two or three when they're not in front of you. Well, again, uh, you know, uh, doing, helping someone from start to finish, I'm talking about for the most part, as far as if, if, um, if someone needs, like I like to say, touch-up work, I, it's important to me that when someone is coming to me that, that they can get in touch with me between visits. And, you know, it was hard for you to recognize that in this way because everything we did was by text or by phone. So in between, but, if, but much in the same way, if you and I had a, uh, something scheduled for a specific time, you would be texting me on how you're feeling in between. And I encourage people to do that. I won't always be able to answer them right away, but it's important for me to know at the moment, and if I don't read the text for an hour or whatever it is, but if they text me that they're feeling some anxiousness or they're feeling angry or they're feeling a little more depressed again, or they have a pain or whatever it is, me being able to zone in at the moment uh, to what was causing it, what, what triggered it, why did it either imbalance or why did it, why has another trigger showed up? So sometimes that's, a lot of times it's good news. It's part of the healing process. That means once trigger is moved on and you've taken care of it and now another one has to be dealt with, but versus you waiting, a person waiting for the next session right. uh, to tell me what happened four days ago. And then I, I, it's much harder for me to tap into it as opposed to knowing on the spot. And also, again, that's where sometimes some remote touch-up can help the person uh, get through uh, a certain time frame or a certain episode or a certain right. situation until the next visit. I want them to feel like that there's someone there helping them through. Again, can't always answer the phone, can't always answer the text, but uh, I, can, I can help. Yeah, that was something huge for me, huge, that I didn't have to wait from time to time. And I can touch base with somebody that understands my journey versus just crying to my mother or to my husband or to my friend. I touched base with what was really going on and, and, and it was somebody that was trying to help me heal versus just vent to somebody, which sometimes we need a vent, but it was huge for me that I felt like you were always available within a day or maybe two days to respond to what, I was, what was going on, that it shouldn't escalate and I shouldn't give up hope. And what I want to end off with to tell every, all my listeners that if you are not willing to do the work, if you're not willing to dig deep, if you're not willing to be honest with yourself, with feelings that are coming up, save your money and don't go to a healer or whatever you want to call it, energy person. Save your time, save your money, because it's not going to work. It's only going to work when you're going to put in the hard times, the looking at the ugly stuff, the digging deep, get letting go, forgiveness, acceptance, and crying, sometimes lots of painful stuff. Only then will you be able to heal. I think, I think it's very important for people to know that. Agreed. <laughs> Brian used to send me all these sayings of, of you got to do the work. If you're not, no one's going to heal you if you're not going to do the work. And I used to look at them at times when I was feeling depleted or I wanted to give up. And I used to look at them and say, okay, this is part of the work. We got to do the work. We got to do the work. But it's very rewarding after at the end because you realize that you, you climbed the Himalayas and you got to the top and, and living in a healthy mindset, there's nothing more amazing than it. Nothing. 
or healthy body, whatever the person's struggling, relationship, body, physical, mental, there's nothing more rewarding than actually feeling better. Anyway, thank you so much, Brian. I appreciate it. And I hope this was helpful for everybody. Is there anything you wanted to end off with? Um, no, that's pretty much it. You're, as you were giving your closing statement, though, I did work on you a little bit. Your, <laughs> your, focus, your focus should be a little better. Oh, but, you know, you okay. should be able to focus a little better. Okay, so whoever's meeting with me today, let me know if I was focused, if Ryan's work worked. <laughs> if Ryan's work worked, yeah. Yeah. By the way, one of the things that you have to come with is sense of humor. A sense of humor helps because we don't understand a lot, so we have to joke around a lot in order to survive. So that's... You were joking? I was serious. <laughs> <laughs> Bye till next time. Thank you for joining us. And um, I hope you got some tips and understanding of the energy work. I would like to take this opportunity to thank betterhelp.com that is helping our listeners access therapy through an online platform that's easy to access through a phone, computer, tablet. You can choose your therapist and it is super affordable. No matter where you are in the world, if you want a licensed therapist, just go to betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge. You will get a 10% off on your first month. Try it out. If you don't like your therapist, there's so many more that you can choose from. And it goes by category. It's so awesome. If you want a relationship therapist, or do you want an anxiety therapist, do you want a depression, bipolar, schizophrenia, anything that you want. There's a category of therapists that specialize in exactly what you need and they really help you find the therapist you need. So go to betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P forward slash hope to recharge. Take advantage of this amazing offer and get the help you need. Thank you for joining us and taking the time to listen. I really appreciate it. Please hit the subscribe button so you can hear further episodes. If you are listening to us on iTunes, please leave feedback and ratings below. Let us know if there's any topic that you would like to hear from us in the future. Bye till next time.